rely on you in every circumstance, in every situation in life. But you've promised in your word that you will never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You'll never fail us. So, Father, we thank you for this time that we can gather together. We thank you that your blessing is upon this time. And Father, we thank you that through you, we can receive everything that we need in life. So, Father, have your way. In the glorious name of Jesus, amen. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Amen. You can go ahead and receive and praise the Lord. Glory to God. Well, Don is not here to greet visitors today, so if you're visiting with us, thanks you for coming and being a part of our service. <clears throat> Talked with Stephen before the service. He's here from Cedar Rapids, and uh, so he came over to fellowship with us this morning, and so I see others and so welcome in the name of Jesus and uh, we just believe the wonderful Holy Spirit will minister to you today. Amen. Well I want to talk with you today about how to lay hold of what God has already provided for us. And I think oftentimes what happens is we get into the mode, we get into that place where we're trying to get something but you know, it's, <clears throat> it's difficult to get what you already have. And so what we really need to do is come to the realization that, you know, that Jesus, that God has already provided it for us. I mean, we have to know what it is that he's provided. But we also need to recognize that it's already been given to us. It's already been provided for us. I don't know about you and so much of my Christian life early on is, is trying to convince God to give me stuff. You know, but when you begin, we begin to see in the Word of God what He's already provided for us, we're not trying to get Him to do it because He's already done it. And I think oftentimes we're asking Him to do something, to pour something out in our life that's already been given to us. And so we need to recognize uh, what he's done for us and what he's already provided for us so that we can begin to, so that we can walk in the fullness of it. You know, I really believe that living the victorious life is walking in recognizing what Jesus has already done for us, the completed works, as we put it. That he has already completed the works. It's not, he's still working at it. He's already completed it. The Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of Father God on high. And the reason that he's seated there is because he's finished the work. He's completed the work. And so he sat down at the right hand of Father God to make intercession for us because what he was to accomplish has already been accomplished. And so what we need to do then is learn how to Release our faith to receive that which he's already provided for us. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to Romans, the fourth chapter. It'll be up on the board as well. 
But in Romans, the fourth chapter in the 16th verse, it says, Therefore, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of him whom we believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things that do not, do not exist as though they did. So we're, we're told so much in that verse. It tells us that he's the father of us all, not just simply of those that are of the law, but of those that are of Abraham. You know, and I think in so many of our thinking, that seems like a, he's repeating himself. You know, because I think oftentimes we think of Abraham and we, we identify him with the law. The thing that we need to understand is that Abraham uh, was before the law. You know, we talked about tithing a little bit when we receive the offering. But you know, is it interesting? Tithing is another law. Abraham gave tithes before the law was ever given. And so here he says, it's not just, the, <clears throat> the promise is not just simply for those that are under the law, but it's for those that are of Abraham. And so who's of Abraham those who are of faith. So it's not talking about keeping a, setting, a set of rules and regulations in order to receive the promises that have been made available to us. It's according to whether or not we believe. And what we believe. Well, we believe in the completed works of Jesus. We believe that when Jesus accomplished something, he accomplished it for all of us. But let me read it again. Notice what it says here. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. It's of faith that it might be according to grace. <clears throat> if, it's, if it's not grace, if I'm doing it, it's not grace. It's according to my works. It's according to my efforts. Grace is based upon what Jesus accomplished for each and every one of us. Grace is not something that I can earn or deserve. Grace isn't something that I can work for. Grace is God's part, which has been provided for me. And faith is my part, how I receive what he's already accomplished for me. It's his completed works manifest in my life. In Mark 11, or excuse me, in Hebrews 4.11, it says, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the example of disobedience. Let everyone work to enter into the rest. What is the rest that we're to enter into? Rest comes from recognizing that it's already done. I'm able to enter into rest when I realize 
that Jesus has already accomplished it all. And I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by what I, what I, what I know. Faith calls those things that be not as though they were. <clears throat> you know, there's been a lot of colds and junk going around. And, uh, and I don't know if you can tell by the tone of my voice. Uh, <clears throat> it tried to manifest in, in my body as well. But you know what? <clears throat> Not at one single point did I feel like, oh, you know, where did I screw up? Where did I mess up? What do I have to do now to get my healing? I don't have to get my healing. I've got my healing. Because it was accomplished 2,000 years ago on the cross. And so all I need to do is call those things that be not as though they be. What's that? I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. No sickness, no disease can attach itself to my body because I've been redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's how it is for each and every one of us. So when we look in our lives and we see these areas of difficulties, we, we sang about it this morning. We sang about the mountain-moving faith. What is the mountain in our life? It's anything that's keeping the manifestation of God's will in our life. That's a mountain. So how do we deal with that mountain? The Bible doesn't say that we talk about the mountain. The Bible says that we speak to the mountain. And when we speak to the mountain, we declare what God says concerning the mountain. That it has to move in Jesus' name. Now that mountain can be any number of things. It can be sickness. It can be lack. It can be some area of bondage. All of those things are mountains that the enemy puts in our path to keep us from experiencing the fullness of what God's made available to us. And so what do we do? We speak to that mountain. We tell that mountain to get out of the way in the name of Jesus. Because I've been redeemed from whatever that is that's coming against me. And that's why we need to have the full assurance of the word of God, what Jesus has done, what he's accomplished for us. Because we receive it by faith. Faith is calling those things that be not as though they were. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so just because you don't see it manifested in your life yet, doesn't mean that you're not operating in faith. Jerry Seville always put it this way. Faith is from the amen to the there it is. You may have had the amen, but you haven't seen the there it is yet. So you're still operating in faith until you see the manifestation of it in your life. In Romans, the fifth chapter, and I'm going to read from the second verse, but I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Version. It says, through him also, <clears throat> through him we also have our access, entrance, introduction by faith into this grace, the state of God's favor. I like that. That grace is the state of God's favor. You know what? <clears throat> we need to recognize and be established in this fact that we're, we have the favor of God in our life. You know, because everything around us wants to convince us that we don't. That we don't have God's favor because this, such and such happened in your life because you don't have the favor of God. No, such and such happened in your life because you have a thief that's out there that's out to steal, kill, and destroy. But we have the victory over that. 
through Christ Jesus. And so the rest that we experience is fixing our eyes upon Jesus, fixing our eyes upon the completed works. And so it says, through him, we also have our access, entrance, introduction, by faith into his grace, state of God's favor, in which we firmly and safely stand. And let us rejoice and exult in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. Isn't that interesting? We're supposed to experience and enjoy the glory of God. The glory of God is talking about his presence. It says we're to experience it and we're to enjoy it. You know, a lot of Christians talk about experience, but you don't see them enjoying life very much. We're to experience, and the way that we experience is by faith, the grace that has already been provided for us. But we're not simply to experience it, we're to enjoy it as well. You know, we're to praise the Lord for his goodness and for his love and acknowledge him for all that he's done in our lives. And so the glory of, the gl of God is his manifestation in our life. You know, <clears throat> I, I thank God that healing is mine. No matter what the conditions are around it, I thank God that healing is mine. But I always enjoy healing more when I've experienced it. Amen. Don't look at me with that tone of voice. I know that you're the same way. Of course we would. And so it isn't just that we're to know about what God has done for us. We're to experience what he's accomplished for us. We're to enjoy what he's provided for each and every one of us. <clears throat> you know, when things happen in our life, good things, we ought to enjoy it. And the same thing is true with the things of God. We're to enjoy it. Well, you know, Pastor, I just kind of feel like I ought to suffer a little more. Why? You know, yes, persecution is going to come our way. But you know what? Ultimately, if we're living by faith, trusting in Jesus, we're going to enjoy, we're going to experience his goodness in our life. Yes, there's going to be those moments of trial <coughs> that are going to come against us. But you know what? We're not, to, we're not to live there. We're not to focus upon that. We're to focus on what what Jesus has done for us, what he's accomplished for each and every one of us. You know, I remember, I don't know how many years ago it was, you've heard the account of how I was switching airplanes in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and, and uh, got into the 
domestic airport eventually, and it was too late. I'd lost my, missed my flight, so I had to wait till the next day. And, and so the next day, I had to go to this other city in, in Brazil, and, and it's, it's the only time that I've ever been in an airplane when it landed, when it didn't have to come down. Because the, the runway was on the top of a mountain. And so the plane is just coming in and it's at that height and we didn't even have to come down. We just came straight in. And so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little airport, you know. It wasn't much bigger than Jefferson's airport. And, and, uh, and of course, because I'm a day late, you know, the people that are to pick me up, they don't know, they don't know where I'm at because I didn't know how to get a hold of them. I'd actually... But I didn't get a hold of them. And so I'm in the airport and they've got this phone there. Do you realize phones in all countries aren't the same? I didn't, I didn't realize that. And, and so it's, it's, there's this phone there. And I've got pesos so I can pay for the call, but I don't know how to use the phone. And of course everybody in the airport speaks Portuguese and so they can't Explain to me how to use a phone. And so finally, this business type person walks by and he says, you having a problem? And I said, yeah, I need to make a phone call, but I don't know how. And so he pulls out his cell phone and he says, well, here, use my phone. Well, I was going to call Tulsa, Oklahoma to have them get a hold of the guy in the school. And so I said, well, this is going to be a international call. And he said, well, well. So I called Tulsa, got a hold of him in Tulsa, told him to get a hold of the guy and where I am. Because I, I don't have a clue. I don't know where to go. I, I don't know nothing. I just go where they tell me to go. And nobody's there to tell me where to go. And so they, I get a hold of them in Tulsa and they're going to call him. And, and I said, okay. And so, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a little bit concerned. And so then I start to talk to myself and I said, you know, Lord, I believe you've called me to be here. And so I don't understand what's going on, but I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to sit down and enjoy the view because I'm sitting on top of a mountain in an airport. And so I sat down outside and started reading and just thought I'm not going to worry about it. Lord, I put my trust, my confidence in you. Some way, somehow, they're going to get a hold of me. Eventually, somebody comes out from the terminal. That tells you how small the terminal was. Schroeder? Is there a Schroeder here? I said, Schroeder? Uh, that's me. And so it was a couple that I was supposed to meet. And they said, you got any pesos? I said, yeah. And they said, we'll take a taxi down to such and such a place and we'll meet you there. Everything was wonderful. But I grew up in Sioux Valley, Minnesota. Sioux Valley, Minnesota has a population of eight. It's less than that now. You know, I grew up in a farm. I didn't, I, this stuff is, it's more than foreign to me, it's foreign. But at a certain point, I had to make the decision I had to make the decision that I was going to trust 
God and have confidence that he was going to work things out. I did what I could do. But then I put my trust and confidence in him. And it worked out well. Went to the school. Had a wonderful week at the school. God's faithful. He's faithful to each and every one of us when we'll put our trust and we'll put our confidence in him. But see, the glory of God is his manifestation. That may not seem like that big of a miracle, but it was kind of a miracle for me. What it was, it was a manifestation of his glory, and that's what he wants to do in each of our lives. In Ephesians, the second chapter, the eighth and ninth verse, coming, reading again out of the Amplified, it says, For it is by free grace, God's unmerited favor, that you're saved, delivered from judgment, and made partakers of Christ's salvation through your faith. How is it done? Through your faith, as you put faith in what Jesus has done for you. And this salvation is not of yourself, of your own doing. Your salvation is not of your doing. It's a result of what Jesus did for you. It came not through your own striving. You know, salvation, sozo, is an all-inclusive term. It doesn't just simply mean that we get to go to heaven when we die. The word salvation, sozo, includes healing, includes deliverance, includes prosperity. It does include salvation going to heaven. But it's all inclusive there. And in all of those areas, we can't earn it, we can't deserve it. It's a result of his grace in our lives. Now in the Bible, he's given us principles that we can follow. And as we follow those principles, what we're doing is we're demonstrating that we have faith in what God has already accomplished for us through Jesus Christ. And so the works that we talk about, it's not <clears throat> works from the standpoint of making something happen. It works, it's works from the standpoint is, Father, I believe you, therefore, this is what I do. Because I put my trust, I put my confidence completely in you. And this salvation is not of yourself, of your own doing, it came not through your own striving, but it's a gift of God. Not because of works, not the fulfillment of laws, demands, lest any man should boast. It is not the result of anyone, of what anyone can possibly do. So no one can pride himself in it or take glory to himself. And so, in the church, in the body of Christ, there's no place for pride. Because it isn't about what I've done or what you've done. It's about what Jesus has done in us and through us. And that's where we put our confidence. It's a gift that we receive by faith. And once again, like I said, salvation, sozo, 
It's all inclusive. It includes healing. It includes delivering, deliverance, prosperity. It's all a gift from God. It's not what we've done, but it's what he's done for us. You know, and <clears throat> oftentimes people look at the book of James and they think it, it's a contradiction to so much of the Bible, but it, but it isn't at all when we read it in context. You know, because, you know, in James it says that faith without works is dead. But I, I like better what the, the New American Standard, how it interprets it, because it says faith without corresponding action is dead. In other words, if I believe something, there's going to be a corresponding action that goes along with that. If we don't believe something, we may say we believe it. But if we truly believe something, there's an action, there's an action that corresponds with that which we believe. Like I've shared with you so often, that morning that I was born again in Vern Lewis's basement, when they shared the word of God with me, hearing that word and believing that word, it demanded an action on my part. And there was an action that corresponded with what I believed. And I prayed and I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. It wasn't just because somebody led me in a prayer. It was because I believed what the Word of God said. That if I believe in my heart and confess my, with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, I shall be saved. And because I believed that, there was action that corresponded with that. If we believe that by the stripes of Jesus we've been healed, there's an action that corresponds with that. If we believe that God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus, if I believe that, my actions are going to respond to that. It's going to act accordingly. Now, if I don't believe that, I'm going to do nothing in concern, concerning that word. Because I may know that word, but I don't really believe it. Because if I believe it, there's going to be actions that correspond with it. In James 2.26 it says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. You know, it's interesting. There's a whole lot of things we can do in our own strength and our own ability. You know, I, I think one of the greatest hindrances to faith is our ability. We're so self-sufficient. We're, we're able to make things happen. Amen, we are. We're very capable. You know, if you, and if you're industrious at all, you don't have to trust God. You can just simply go out and get another job. You know, you take other cultures. They have to, they have to believe for their next meal. And there's no avenue, no matter how hard they work, <clears throat> they can't compensate for that lack. Well, we live in a culture, we live in a society that if people really want to they can, they can prosper. They may have to work hard at it, 
But you can achieve, you can be an overcomer. And like I said, the the hard part about it with the things of God is we can do it in our own strength many times. You know, so often we just, we just leave God out. We start a project and in our own strength and ability and then we ask God to bless it. Rather than starting out asking him what we ought to be doing and then when he gives us a leading, we already have the blessing because his blessing is already on it. And so there's a lot of things we can do in our own strength and our own ability. But are we doing what God wants us to do? Are we willing to take a moment or two and sit back and say, God, I'm putting my trust and my confidence in you. I feel like you're leading me in this direction, but I want to know for sure. Show me. Lead me. You know, <clears throat> to be led by somebody, you have to make the decision to be led. You have to make the decision to follow. And that's how it is with Almighty God. We have to choose. We have to make the decision. I am relying upon him every moment of every day. I can't make it without him. 1 John 5, one of my many favorite passages, says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. We're world overcomers, but we do it by faith, by putting our trust, putting our confidence in him. We're to experience success in our life in every area. I believe that God has called us. Well, I don't have to say I believe. I know that God has called us to be successful. Every single one of us. He's never ordained anyone to be a failure. He's called us to succeed in life. And that success comes as we put our focus, as we we look to him. But you know, going back for just a moment to the first passage that we read out of Romans, it talked about Abraham. It talked about how we <clears throat> have the blessing because we're of Abraham. And Abraham was reckoned, or Abraham was considered righteous because of his faith. Because he believed God. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus has done. And so by faith, we've become that righteousness. In Genesis, where it's talking about Abraham, Genesis 15, 6, it says, and he, Abraham, believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. He wasn't righteous, but it was accounted, it was laid to his account that he was righteous. Romans 4, 3. And what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And so once again, we see that because of his faith, it was accounted to him as righteous. Not because of what he had done, 
but because of whose he was. He was a believer. Because he believed God, it was accounted, it was reckoned to him as righteous. Galatians 3, 6. As for Abraham, believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And so we see, he was a righteous man, not because of what he had done, but because of what God had done in his life. And why do I, why do I repeat all those passages? Because as we look into the scriptures, we will never see who we truly are until we steadfastly and constantly look in the scripture to see who God says that we are. Because everything around us tells us something different. 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. And so what's the mirror? It's this word. When we look into this mirror, it reflects back to us who we are. The world constantly tells us we can't, we won't. The world tells us we've failed, we've not achieved what we ought to have achieved. The world says that everything around us is over is going to overtake us. But the Bible says that I'm a brand new creation in Christ Jesus, that old things have passed away, all things have become new. My Bible tells me, and it reflects back to me, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. My Bible reflects back to me that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Bible reflects back to me that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so when I look at the Bible and I allow it to reflect back to me, that's how I begin to see myself. But if I look at the world, that's how I'm going to see myself. I'm going to see myself as a product of what's taking place around me rather than seeing what Jesus has achieved for me. You know, the, the, the great attack today, you know, we talk about the attack on Christendom in so many circles. And it's, it's huge, it's great. But you know what the greatest attack is? It's on the Word of God. Because our true enemy isn't the enemy on the outside because we recognize that enemy. The true enemy is the enemy that's on the inside. The one that we should be able to respect. The one that ought to be sharing with us truth. But it comes in and it, it begins to erode away the truth, the reality of the Word of God in just little ways. To get us where we no longer literally accept what the Word of God says. And we begin to buy into the, into the lie. I've shared with you before, you know, the most damning lie is the lie that's the closest to the truth. 
And so when we hear somebody who's supposed to be sharing with us truth and they begin to erode away that truth, what happens is it begins to have an impact upon our lives as well. And so we need to guard ourselves and that's why each and every one of us don't ever take my word for it. You need to find it out for yourself. You need to go to the Word of God for yourself. You need to read the Word of God for yourself. Why? Because when the attack comes, your spirit has to be able to bear witness with the truth that's coming forth. Or if it's not truth, that it's a lie. So that you might be able to reject it. In Romans, the 12th chapter, the first verse, it says, I beseech you. And so Paul is speaking here, and he's saying, I beseech you, I'm, I implore you, I beg of you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. For I say through the grace, notice how he says it, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And again, as I've said so often, I don't believe that that's a good translation. Rather than A, it ought to be the measure of faith. So each and every one of us has been dealt the measure of faith so that we can do, we can accomplish what he just spoke to us about. That we can present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. What he's saying is that, you know, since Jesus died, that he gave his life, that he made that ultimate sacrifice for each and every one of us, it's only reasonable that in return we would serve him. And that's all that he's asking. You know what's, what's exciting is he's not asking me to be anybody else. He's just asking me to be who he's created me to be. I don't have to be, I don't have to try to be something I'm not. And once again, I think so often our, our struggle is we don't we don't rest in who God created us to be. We always have this feeling that we have to be something else. And so we're constantly striving to try to be what we think we're supposed to be. When he's already created us to be who he wants us to be. Well, I don't know who I am. Well, then pick up your Bible and find out. Don't ask everybody around you because guess what? Everybody around you is going to have a different idea as to who you're supposed to be.
They're going to have a different idea as to what your gifts are. Though he wants you to be who he's created you to be. 1 Timothy 6, 12, it says, fight the good fight. Everybody say the good fight. The good fight is the fight you win. Amen? The good fight is the fight we win. And we're to win in every circumstance, every situation in life. But you know what it, what it implies is that there is a fight. But notice it's the fight of faith. It's to stay in faith. Because everything around us wants to get us out of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were called and have confessed the good confession to the present, in the presence of many witnesses. The good fight of victory says lay hold of it. Don't let go of it. What Jesus has accomplished for you. Don't let go of it. Don't let somebody come along and lie to you and erode the truth that has been implanted in your heart. Notice what it said, that each of us have been given the measure of faith. Well, pastor, I don't have enough faith. Well, if you've been born again, you have enough faith. That's the measure of faith, the faith that is available to do whatever God's called you to do. Yes, we can grow in that. We can be strengthened in that. But that measure of faith is sufficient for us to serve God in whatever he's called us to do. In Romans, or excuse me, in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, I'm going to read in two different places. First Hebrews 4, 1 and 2, and then 9 through 11. And it says, Therefore, since a promise remains to enter his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel is preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not having been mixed with faith in those who heard it. And so, as we shared a few weeks ago, it's not enough to hear. We've got to hear. We've got to hear what the Word of God says and take it. And that's, that's the word that we hear that always produces a response. And so he says we need to hear this gospel. You know, statistics show that for an individual to be saved on the average, they have to hear the gospel about, I don't remember, it was three or four different times. Well, that means that they heard it, but they didn't hear it. That's why Faith comes by hearing in the continuous present tense. Faith doesn't come by having heard. Faith comes by hearing. And that's why we need to hear the Word of God and hear the Word of God and hear the Word of God. 
Because it's in that hearing that faith rises up and it becomes real to us. But then we drop down to the ninth verse. And it says, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works. From whose works? His works. As God did for, for his. For, as God did from his. In other words, we cease from our works. That doesn't mean we, we don't do anything. That means now we work in faith. We work in response to what God has already done for us. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us, therefore, be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. You know, we're walking in faith. We're walking in obedience to him. When you lay hands on the sick, whether you see any immediate result or not isn't the issue. The issue is that faith moved you to lay your hands on the sick, to see him recover. When we do as God has directed us to do in his word, it isn't about us. It's about him. It's responding to him. And when we enter into that rest, what happens is it removes the stress because it's no longer on my shoulders, but I've taken it and I've put it on his shoulders. You know, Jesus is our example. You know, everything that Jesus went through, Jesus never allowed stress to dominate his life. They're crossing the sea. Storm rises. Everybody's stressed out. We're going to be lost. Jesus lays down in the back of the boat and goes to sleep. Why did he sleep? He said, well, we're going to the other side. He had already spoken it out. They come to Jesus and there's 5,000 individuals in a crowd and they don't have anything to eat. Jesus' response is, don't worry about it. He didn't take the burden upon himself. Listen to what he says in Matthew 14, 19. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass and he took five loaves and two fish and he looked up to heaven he blessed and broke them and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the multitude. Why was he able to do that? Because he knew that his father heard his voice. Why do we get stressed out when we get into a crisis situation? Because we don't have confidence that our father God is going to hear our voice. Mark 8, 6, same account. 
So he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and gave thanks. Gave thanks. Didn't say, oh God, oh God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Oh God, you've got to bail me out in this one. And I said, Father, I thank you that you hear me. Because I know you hear me. And I know I hear you. Notice it's Jesus knew what he was supposed to do because he heard the voice of the Father. He knew the Father's voice and he knew the moment that Father God told him what to do, he knew it was going to be done. We hear the Father's voice. Every time we open this book and every time we read from these pages, we're hearing the voice of our Father. And he's telling us in these pages of this book the victory that is already ours because of what Jesus has done for us. And he not only tells us what Jesus has done for us, he reveals to us how we can respond in faith to what Jesus has already done for us. I'm not telling you to go uptown and gather around 5,000 people and say we're going to have lunch. But you know what? If the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and tells you to gather around 5,000 people and serve them lunch, and you do it. But you know what? It's no different. Because this has happened to me. Where I've gone into a restaurant. Don't know anybody there. Remember one time I was down in Des Moines and we were at, we were at uh, um, what's the spaghetti place that we always went to? No. No. It's closed now. I care because it's closed now. <clears throat> but I'm sitting there and I, I saw this, 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 this military guy come in and I um, he and his family and I called the person that was serving me over and I says can you find where their bill is and bring it to me and, and they did and I paid the bill and said well would you like me to tell them you and I says no I don't, I don't want them to know and I could see the faces when they let them know um, your, your bill has already been taken care of you see I believe that was the Holy Ghost wanting me to bless somebody we look at, well, it's not 5,000. It was only three. But you know what? They had a meal. And they could have afforded it. I'm sure they could have. Because they were sitting there ready to pay for it. See, what we need to do is we need to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. And follow His leading. Because when we do that, there is absolutely nothing impossible to us. The only Restriction to that is as we're following his leading, his direction. God is so good. He's so faithful. Macaroni grill. Macaroni grill. Yes. Amen. Can you believe they closed that place down? That, that's one of the best places in town. Des Moines. Hallelujah. God is faithful. 
Everybody say God's faithful. You know, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't ever change. And he wants to, wants us to experience the abundant, victorious life. He doesn't want us to have a just getting by mentality. He wants us to be blessed above and beyond. Why? So that we have more than enough so that we can give to others. So that we can be a blessing. Amen. But you know what? If you don't recognize that you're blessed, you'll never be a blessing. And that's the God that we serve. A more than enough God. A not getting by God. A more than enough. So Father, we thank you this morning for Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And Father, as we begin this new year, Lord, we want you. We want to experience you more than we ever have in the past. We want your voice to be more clear than it's ever been. We want to be more responsive to you than we've ever been. Father, we want your will to be fulfilled in each of our lives in a greater measure than ever before. Father, may this year, may this be a new beginning for each and every one of us that if we've strayed at all, that we would return to you and allow you to lead our lives into the victory that you truly desire for each and every one of us. And so, Father, we thank you that we are blessed because you're, we are your sons and your daughters. And so lead us by your precious Holy Spirit. And Father, I ask it. In the wonderful name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful New Year's and uh, give somebody a hug and let them know you love them.